You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You have to accept the fact that you're going to fail so much. You're going to fail a lot. You got to be comfortable with that. I think coming from an acting background, <laughs> I was like, yeah, bring it on. I'm going to fail a lot. Because <laughs> you go to, what, 100 auditions and you book one. I mean, those are just, that's that's yeah. it. That's how it goes. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. But what you think of as a failure, someone else would never notice. <laughs> Hey folks, welcome to Was It Chance, the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. I'm Heather Vickery. And I'm Alan Seals. And we're two perfect strangers. I can't say that without thinking of Balky. <laughs> I'm Balky. the only perfect one in this We're two perfect strangers who met by chance and embraced the opportunity. Listen in as we chat with other successful people about the risks they've taken to put themselves on a path to creative success. Who's our guest today? Hi, my Hi. name is Erica Swindell, and I'm joining the two of you lovely people for a chat today. I love how you, you took Heather's line. Oh, sorry. That's perfect. It's okay. It's perfect. No, Erica's oh, a professional. No. no. Oh, she does, you, know, you know how to roll with the changes. She's good. She's <laughs> like, uh, that door was open. I'm in. <laughs> So interestingly enough, yes, our guest is Erica Swindell. I'm so glad you're here. And interestingly enough, today's guest was introduced to us by another good friend of mine who I also met at a podcasting conference. Erica, you probably don't True. know this, but that's how I met Alan. Oh. Was that a podcasting conference? So shout out to Stevie Manns for yes. being so fucking cool. Oh, man. The coolest. The coolest. Stevie knows all the coolest people. Erica, I think that your resume is impressive. It's vast. It includes Broadway. You're touring with the Eagles right now, right? I, I know. You're in your Hotel California <laughs> shirt. I saw that. I love it. I want it. And a creative career doesn't just happen. Like, it's not an accident. Or, I don't know, does it? Was it chance? Well, um... What the, a segue. Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles portion of it was definitely chance. Um, but I... Went to school for acting in 2004 in New York whenever I moved here after high school and, you know, really wanted to do the Broadway thing. And then I did it and it catapulted my life in a direction that I really had no intention or business uh, getting involved in. So Wait, what does that mean? You can't just like drop that. <laughs> <laughs> so I started playing violin when I was three and it's something that I've done my whole life. Um, music, you know, always been a songwriter, but never really did it professionally in any way. Um, I ended up going on the national tour of once and we went through Dallas, Texas, which is where Don Henley lives. And he came to see the show. I mean, 
we all knew he was there, but I honestly, I grew up on the Beatles. You probably didn't even My know dad who dad is was. like, it was like country music. <laughs> and I feel like Eagles are more of a California kind of thing, sure. like West Coast. I don't know. Maybe I just grew up in a weird way. But he saw the show and uh, I didn't think anything of it. And the next day I came to the theater and there was a giant bouquet of flowers and an offer letter to be in what? his band because he was wow. releasing a new solo record that was like a country record. And I'm from Texas originally. And uh, I thought it was a big catfish joke. I was like, there is no <laughs> way that this is actually Don Henley asking me to do this. So we kind of started emailing back and forth over the next few months, probably like six months or so. And I just thought, man, whoever this is, is doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> They're really keeping He's up the rouge. He's a professional yeah. actor. Uh, and then he wanted to meet up in Chicago because they were touring there with the Eagles. And I happened to be touring in Chicago. He picked me up in a black SUV outside the theater. And I was like, dang, okay, you're so Don wait, Henley. <laughs> that's what I'm like, let, let me go back to you prepping to go on this catfish you still date. think this yeah. is still fake. thinking this is really not. Oh, I really thought it. I just thought <laughs> there is no, well, first of all, just getting that, that whole idea of like getting quote unquote discovered or someone just seeing you and then offering you a job is crazy to me. Totally. Crazy. And I, you know, I come from the acting world where you audition more than anything else and get, and get rejected absolutely. over and over again. Yeah. That's why, you know, self-loathing has to be something you're a little comfortable with. <laughs> <as an actor. laughs> so I just thought it was crazy that, you know, someone at that level would swoop in and just know for sure what he wanted um, without vetting. <laughs> I mean, I that's know. pretty badass. I'm sure he looked me. I know that he looked but me up. For, okay, so for those who don't know, once it's you're playing. It's one of the few shows where the cast right. is playing the instruments right. on stage mm -hmm. live. So the cast is the band. So yeah. you're you can see he can see that you're playing definitely definitely during the show. And obviously the the, the violin has a very featured part. So it's right. obvious to know when you are playing. Yes, yeah. I mean, it would be very obvious if I couldn't play that thing. I'm kind of <laughs> sad since I started when I was three. But uh, yeah, so he picked me up from the theater. We had dinner. He handed me a, an unreleased copy of his record to wow. listen to. And I was like, what is happening? And then I managed to somehow shout out to my past agent, Barry, who really just did a great job because he managed to get me out of a no outs contract. Wow. Um, and I took my two suitcases from tour, got on a plane and went to LA and started rehearsals having no idea what in the hell I was doing. <laughs> that is wow. so cool. Yeah. So the the rehearsal process then for, I guess for for a, a tour, a, a musical tour, how was that different from, from, the, from once? Because I mean, I guess first off was once different from your standard Broadway show because you're playing, you're doing, you have to figure out choreography while holding an instrument. Right. <laughs> which, which is, if you have a cello, for example, is a little bit challenging. Yep. You have to uh, strap it to your chest. I mean, honestly, I walked away with physical, long term physical injuries from that show that um, are not great because you're not really supposed to uh, bear weight with your neck, you know, oh. dancing around the stage. But yeah, it's all right. You're the second guest we've interviewed that has walked away with injuries from their show. And it's oh, kind yeah. of funny because you're the second guest we've interviewed. Well, I think yeah. on Broadway, everyone's got everyone's got everyone's random got and, and injuries. Injuries, yeah. Yeah, and that schedule, honestly, since leaving it, I think it's absolute craziness. <laughs> 
to do a show eight times a week and then, you know, because you want to preserve the quality of the show, continue to go on when you probably shouldn't, sure. when you're injured. Or I mean, looking back on that, I did probably three and a half years straight and not really taking a vacation. Uh-huh. And um, that's why my neck is really screwed up. But uh, yeah, that process I think was really unique because that creative team was really invested in all of us as human beings. It the was once team or the Eagles the, team? The once team, yeah. because it was such a blank slate of a show they built it on all of us individually, which was really, that's you never cool. get that. Yeah, that's really you neat. never get that. I mean, every girl who goes on to play Glinda and Alphaba, it's like, you know, it's very specific. You don't mm-hmm. get a lot of creative license. So it was very collaborative in that way, which was amazing. And it may be why Don Henley was so impressed when he saw you perform, because it was really no it was you. It, it was me uh, with a little bit more punk <laughs> darkness mixed in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the rehearsal process for Don's first tour couldn't have been more different. I, there is no, there's rehearsal in the music world, but the rehearsal is for the artist. It's not for you. You have to come a hundred percent ready to go, knowing everything day one. And of course, you know, I had never, I kind of like jumped all of the rungs of the ladder. So I had no idea what I was getting into or what in theater, you know, it's so much more of a organic process. You sort of rehearsal really is rehearsal. Right. You don't come knowing the show. And if you do, I think it's kind of not a great thing. Um, <laughs> well, you got to shape it in the moment. Yeah. 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 So our music is different. It was really different. I, you know, the violin stuff was really easy. All of the fiddle tracks, those are, I've been learning things by ear for my whole life. Um, but these, the vocals, because I'd never sung with in-ears before, you know, Broadway doesn't really, I think there's a little bit of that going on now, but not so much. And so when you have both of your ear canals plugged up completely, your resonance is a completely different experience from inside your head. So I had to learn to sing a quarter tone sharp to fix my pitch and just, yeah. I really sucked in the beginning, and I'm surprised (laughs) I didn't get fired, to be honest with you. You got hired for another tour. Uh, Yeah, so he, you know, Don's really amazing. He's very, very loyal, especially to people from Texas, because he, that's where he grew up. And uh, he likes to say something like, you know, I want to preserve the ones who got out. (laughs) 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 Not his exact words, but something like that. So, uh, yeah, he's great. He's, you know. A very dear friend of mine now and um, somehow still brings me along for the ride. <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. The, the, the level of chance that or the number of chances and the number of, of coincidences. I don't know. I don't want to call it a coincidence, but everything that had to align perfectly. So he had to That's see the show it. that you were in and you're from Texas and you play the, vi- the yeah. fiddle, play the violin, you play these instruments. Like why... Out of all the people that he knows that he's worked with. I have no idea. Not he... saying you don't deserve it. <laughs> no, no. I, believe me, I question this every day when I wake up and look myself in the mirror. <laughs> uh, I think that he just, you know, as an artist, he really knows what he wants and he makes decisions and then that's it, you know. And I really admire that because I, you know, go over things and go over them and doubt them. And yeah. Have, have you ever asked, is it's fascinating to me. I mean, I love that. I love knowing yourself well enough and being in a position in your career to go, I want that. That's what I want. And he pursued you. 
Have you ever asked him why he pursued you so? I don't. It doesn't. I don't know that it was aggressive, but you described like he didn't quit, right? He kept conver- conversing with you. He kept coming back. Let's go out to dinner in Chicago. Like all of these, he really wanted you. Yeah, I think he just knows what he wants, yeah. and he has a vision, and he expects it to just happen. And he doesn't, you know, he goes and gets it, <laughs> which I think is great. It so speaks cool. to his success in a lot of ways. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, he just managed to fight through that with me and kept me on board. And uh. So talk us through your mindset in this space, right? Like, so you think you're being catfished, which is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. But you kept playing along too. Mm-hmm. So what's the conversation? What's the inner dialogue? But you finally go, sure, I'm going to go out to this dinner with this guy who's probably not really Don Henley. And right. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> the therapist I was seeing at the time, go to therapy, <laughs> kids. It's great. Everybody should have a therapist. Uh, he he started to teach me this. I don't think, you know, it's unique in any way, but it's this idea of the persona. So if you're trying to achieve something or if you're walking into a situation where you don't feel like you're worthy of it, you just become the person who you think is worthy of it. And mm-hmm. You know, he would he made me this uh, recording that basically like talks you into character because I was used to playing a character. I'm very comfortable in that space. Going out on stage, singing, you know, saying dialogue as another human was a very comfortable space for me. So when it was just me, I suddenly realized that I had arms and legs and had no idea <laughs> what to do with them. Um, so I think. I, I'm a very curious person. I think um, I love to experience things. So when that, whenever that started happening, we were, you know, dialoguing over email. I I just, I was in. I was in it. I was like, you know what? Even if this happens to be a catfish, what an amazing story <laughs> at the end of the six months. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have a lot in common in terms of the poets that we like and books we're reading. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot more sort of like a friendship conversation in a lot of ways, Um so I was like, well, if anything, I'll get a new friend out of it. If it's Don or not, who knows? So <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. Was there any any fear, I guess, of uh, or a pro- retroactive fear, I want to say, because you, you said you skipped the line. You didn't realize how many levels you skipped oh, to yeah. just get where you are, right? And so all of a sudden, when you realize you're at the top, and then, you know, it's like, don't look down, right? Or you'll get scared. So at the top, were you looking down? You're all of a sudden like, holy shit, where am I right now? And like the pressure, was there any anxiety that got added? Did you have one of those sort of, I won't, I guess it's an, an epiphany sort of moment. Uh-huh. But it, yeah, like, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. It happened to me standing center stage at the forum Whoa. in front of thousands of people about to sing Dolly Parton's duet from his album. <laughs> you were singing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, who do you think you are? But I mean, that's whenever I really believe in that idea of the persona because it, no one can possibly, every artist you see is a, you know, a bigger version of themselves. They're not who they are at mm-hmm. home. And so, you know, I kind of had to just step into that and go back to what I know best, which is storytelling and playing a character, even if it's just an elevated version of myself, you know. Um, But yeah, I've never been more nervous than I was for those shows. I mean, and his band too, who's been with him for 20 years, you know, it had been a long time since they'd been out on tour again as his personal band. A lot of those guys play with the Eagles as well. Mm -hmm. But everybody, that was a lot of pressure because it was the new album, you know, it was like I, and I felt all of that, you know, kind of just coming into it. I do... 
I did also have a lot of guilt, weirdly. I wondered about that. Because, um, you know, I had a lot of friends who were in the music industry and just like really scraping to even just get one foot in a door. And I didn't even want this and it happened. And I just felt, you know, why, like why, or this is, I don't know. You could ask yourself that a lot of times in your life. And I think you just have to go with what's happening because you can train for something. You can hope for your life to go one way and it's, probably never going to do that <laughs> because you can't control the actions of other people. And we're right. constantly just sort of all manifesting together in one giant soup and uh, <laughs> whatever why comes did you, out. Why did you take that chance then? If you didn't want it, you were training for Broadway. You're, you've got this national tour, which is an amazing thing that most people still can't even get right. to that level. Why, why take this chance and do something that you didn't even think you wanted to do? I just thought... I would have been an idiot not to do that. <laughs> I mean, well, and also, you know, as an actor, it's a really hard thing to get a regular paycheck. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's insane how hard it is. And I thought, well, this is another year of work. And I might as well just do this. And um, I knew that the Once Tour was going to go non-union in a couple of months. And so, you know. That had been that show had been the love of my life up until that point, and I thought, well, I don't want to go do another show right now. I should just do this thing because it's completely new and it's a whole different side of things. So yeah. And you know what's fascinating to me as you start to connect the dots, you're talking about once you loved the show, it really caused you physical harm. Oh yeah. And you start to think about what would have happened if you'd continued. Perhaps you would have gotten really hurt. Maybe you wouldn't have been able to stay in this line of work like who yeah. knows right I mean who knows I I also think that I've I've often revisited that, that question of because a lot of my friends who came up with me in that world have gone on to do several Broadway shows and um you know I've thought about that a lot because that was going to be what I wanted to do with my life and uh it's been a really long time now I mean I've been doing this since 2015 so I feel very out of the loop and sometimes I'm sad about that, but at the same time, I, I've had experiences that won't happen again. And like, you can't audition for this job. It's something that you just can't, it just happens. They pick you or they don't. And you get one shot at that. And there's only one Eagles. There's a lot of shows I could do. <laughs> Maybe whenever that's done. Whenever. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So if we were going, when we, we first walked in, we're recording live. I don't know if you want to give a plug to where we are. I don't even know where we are. Open Jar Studios. Open Jar Studios. Um, he said, oh, I really love this place. It doesn't smell like fear and rejection. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's ever been to uh, one of the other studios that shall remain, <laughs> remain nameless. Yeah, I don't miss that part of it. Um, I still audition. I still have a manager, you know, but... I think I've left that part in the past because <laughs> unfortunately it's a big part of being an actor is just, you know, look at me, look at me, pick me, pick me. And um, I just, I don't miss that. I, I love that in the music world you get to a point and you just kind of get offers after that because people have seen your work or they trust the recommendation and I, that pressure being on me all the time. I just, I don't know that I want to go back to that. So if, if I even leave this 
Eagle's job and go back to acting full time, I think I just will care less. <laughs> I'll bet you get, I'll bet you book more gigs. Probably. Because there's something probably. about that release oh, yeah. and that surrender where we go, this is what you're getting. And yeah. you either love me or you don't love me. And I don't fucking care. I hear that story all the time yeah. is people book their biggest breakthrough role when they went in thinking like, this is it. I'm, it's this. And then I'm quitting. Oh, yeah. Like, this is my last audition. I've got several friends who are on Broadway. They're like, this was the last one I was going to do. And then they got their role and then yep. their career just went. Blah, 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 just. Maybe it's because the people behind the table are all, whenever they the power of pick me gets taken away from them. And you're saying pick me, whether or not you're going to pick them. Right. Maybe they panic. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I always say that there's something to, we can't change anyone but ourselves, right? But when we change ourselves, the people around us change. Mm -hmm. And I tell this story. I, I speak a lot. I'm not nearly as talented as you are, but I used That's to wear high heels on stage. We, I haven't been on very many live stages in the last <laughs> couple of years, but when I do speak in person, I wear high heels. And I used to think that it was because people liked me better. When I wore high heels. And then what I realized was I liked me better. And because I like, I felt, I felt taller, I felt thinner, mm -hmm. I felt more confident and more in control. And so that was the energy I brought to the stage. And that was the energy I got back. And I think that's oh, what yeah. you're saying mm. is if you show up with zero fucks to give at an audition, you're like, this is what I got. I'm going to give yeah. it to you. And I, you know, whatever you do with it, I don't care. I think it's attractive because people can smell yeah. need. They definitely can. Well, and you stepped into your persona. Absolutely. Know, with the heels. And it's, I love that. Yeah, it's such a thing. It really is. You kind of, we're all putting on costumes, whether or not we're in a show or real life. It's like, you know, we're all just different versions of ourselves depending on which room we're in. So, and that doesn't go away. My heels, we've been walking around New York City all day. And so I have walking shoes on, but my heels are in my bag because yeah. we're going to go to a show later. And I was like, I'm not going into the theater in my walking yeah. shoes. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I love that. <laughs> it's a choice and it really, I mean, I'm also, I'm pretty short in my whole life. I really never realized that I was a short person until I was in college. And I'm like, oh, I'm a short person. Uh, so pretty much every pair of shoes that I wear whenever I'm, you know, anything business related are always heels. I don't know what that is. It's like taking back the power, I think. Because those are also an overly sexualized Absolutely. item of clothing. But there's something about like taking that power back for yourself that feels really comfortable wearing them. We were having this conversation this morning about presenting uh, presenting yourself and, and being found attractive versus feeling attractive. And as, as I've gotten older, uh, as, you know, recognizing, acknowledging the cis, straight, white, male privilege that I carry... Um, I, I have cared less about outward appearance and mm -hmm. others and myself and moved in towards um, wanting to be around confidence. Oh, yeah. And then if I'm around that, I've and I found that as I exude that myself, other people want to be around that and vice versa. And then the creativity in the room just skyrockets. Agreed. I mean, because there's no feeling of being uncomfortable. Everyone is just like in their power relaxed. I think that's a great place to create from. I mean, you don't have any obstacles. Do we think it's easier to lean into to chance and creation of opportunity from that from that space? From I think, that space of I think so because then you're open to any possibility. Yeah, I mean, on the idea of leaning into chance, I I will say that I do believe that in some way I manifested that job with Don for myself because when you do a show for that long, 
you get to a point <laughs> where sometimes you forget that you did the show at all and you just, <laughs> your body did it and you didn't know. And I made it a practice to kind of meditate on the idea of, I don't care if I don't want to do this today, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because there might be one, if there's even one person out in that audience that I can bring joy or something positive to their life by this performance, great. So it was like, don't ever write it off. You know, even if you don't want to be there, pick something to focus on and make yourself invested in it. And I really feel like I didn't know why I was doing that. Um, but I will say I, I really felt like I showed up every time I stepped foot on stage. And I think you just never know. It's like that. Yeah. It's not about that job. It's about what it will lead to in the future. And, you know, not even about a job, just some person yeah. who is sitting out there who maybe is having a bad day and like you can make them smile and that's it. And that's yeah. enough, you know? Yeah. There's somebody who's seeing that, per that particular instance for the first time and you, they may walk away and they, that changed their life. You have no idea that you caused them to love theater, fall in love with mm -hmm. songwriting, with mm -hmm. playing an instrument yeah. or whatever the case is. And, and you, uh, on my personal podcast, right, I ask at the end, um, what's one show you could see for the rest of your life if you could only see one show? Ooh, and That's a big question. Right. It's a hard question for yeah. people to answer. And so many of the answers come back to to that show that uh, that was what was that aha moment when they realized that, that theater was for them. Oh, yeah. So for mine, it was Rent. It oh, was yeah. that show for that so many people. I know. <laughs> right. Right. Was there <laughs> another musical in that era? I no. don't think so. <laughs> and then, and then you've got like Hamilton, who's who's getting people into things now. And there's mm -hmm. always these generational generational things. Chicago was decades ago, and Phantom was, you know, so all these big shows. And I think Once was was very interesting and very unique in that sort of same respect because it was one of the first shows that I can ever remember where the full orchestra was part of the cast. Right? Well, and I will take the opportunity to say that it was the only show that properly paid their actors as Hell musicians yeah. and as actors. I have a real problem with this whole actor-musician thing now. One, they searched for people. That creative team really took time to find people who were actually both equally, mm -hmm. in equal parts, which, you know, it... There are a lot of guitars in audition rooms these days. And no, everyone should pick up an instrument. That's great. But we should also demand to be paid for that. Yeah. And I think it's crazy that, you know, producers, all they see sometimes is they cut the orchestra out. And that's a lot of money that they saved. And maybe they'll, and I don't know. I just think that we need to fight for way more equal pay because that is just... Now I'm ha I'm doing a whole job that's dedicated to that side of everything. And to think that there's people that don't get even some kind of compensation for doing two things at once, I just, let's stop doing that. Yes. <laughs> let's be better. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk about your tour schedule now, because I guess the rehearsal process you, you covered a little bit, but... Broadway, I know very, very well, and it's eight shows a week, and you usually have two to three weeks of rehearsal, and that's kind of it. Uh, but for a, a big stage musical tour, like just walk us through that. I have no clue how that process works. Uh, it definitely works differently for every single show. So now, because it's a different, it's theater. a different show, and it's mm-hmm. a different process. You know, the tour that I'm currently working on is the Hotel California tour, which it's their 50th anniversary. And the first part of the show, they play Hotel California from front to back wow. as the record played. Um, and my job in that show is I'm the concert master of a 35-piece orchestra. Wow. That's local. <laughs> so oh, shit. Wow. every time it's a, a new, new orchestra, orchestra correct. Wow. For, oh, I, first mm-hmm. of all, I love that, that that sounds really hard for you, but I love that he's <laughs> employing, that they are employing yeah. these local musicians. Oh, totally. That's and he even says cool. it in the show. He's like, support your local symphony, which I think, you know, I love working for them because they really are invested in giving back and sort of making music and including as many people as they can. But so in the time of We were in the middle of that tour when COVID hit. So before then, it would look like they rehearsed, they being the the Eagles, would rehearse for about a month or so before. And then they would build all the lifts and all of that. And then I would come in with maybe two days to rehearse with the first orchestra, put them in, and then that's it. So two days or so before performance. Well, now in the time of COVID... uh, I have no rehearsal. I have a 15-minute 15, 15 meeting what? with the principal players, which is four people. Um, and all of those orchestra members don't get a chance to run it before they're sitting on stage with all of the people. At a stadium. The oh, my gosh. Right, right. And because we're on this, you know, giant lift that sort of reveals the orchestra at certain theatrical points in the show – uh, it hides the conductor from us, so I'm back there behind the drop. Like, I, listen, I didn't go to music school. I mean, I was very involved in music since I was three, but tell you what, I made the decision not to go to college for violin because I didn't want to be the person conducting. <laughs> well, joke's on me because I'm back there flailing my arms in a mask, no less. Oh, so. Wow. And I went and got Botox on my forehead before that tour, which was oh, the that's worst. Oh, that's all you can see. I <laughs> couldn't move anything. <laughs> I couldn't move anything. All arms. It's all arms. But yeah, it. You know, it's a uh, it's a rodeo, but we get through it, and uh, we've sort of gotten it down to a science now. And I actually was able to bring along my lovely cello wife. Christine Cruda as my first cellist. And so she's flanking the stage on the other side, also flailing around, (laughs) directing all these people. Have you ever had an orchestra that just didn't Mm -hmm. pull it out? That show is too big to fail. So have I had orchestras that, you know, the whole second violin section didn't come in at the right time? Absolutely. But would the audience have known? All right. It's too big to fail. Other things happening. There... The most talented people working on that show 
are the front of house. Of course. Mm. That and the guys running the monitors, doing the sound, doing the, I mean, I learned so much about what, what we're hearing actually in the music industry and what is actually going on. And I won't say anything about that, but, um, just be nice to your tech people because they are, they are the show. They're the whole show. (laughs) That is so true. I mean, and that is true. It's true in any job. It's true in any industry. The people Mm -hmm. who are behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. like nothing fucking happens without those people. I can't remember who it was, but there's an artist who, uh, whenever, you know, signing walls and whatnot at the forum. And it's always, they were here before you and they're going to be here after and always leaves that everywhere he goes. Can't remember who it is, but I just love that because it's so true. You know, I have such an appreciation for all of our team because Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't sleep. Sometimes they're, you know, going 24 hours. That's crazy. Well, yeah, I've worked, I worked crew, uh, in North Carolina where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, we had some touring, some very non-union tours come through in the Bible Belt where I grew up. And, and it was, owie! Sorry, sorry. just kicked my knee. So um, sorry. <laughs> you didn't You just said Bible Belt and I got violent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Am I allowed to say that anymore? Are we allowed to say Bible Belt? I mean, that, I still refer, because I grew up in Texas, show. so okay. yeah, well, that's fine. I don't want to get canceled on episode two. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I would I would run crew and I, I would be on the crew because they would always like to hire locals and, and whatnot. And like you have these massive like three or four or five uh, semi trucks worth oh, of yeah. gear that just pull up. They back in uh-huh. and you get somebody who's like, all right, that truck goes there. This flat goes here. We got to build this lift, this light when this. And I was yep. so cool. We had, a, we had a tour of Joseph come through and I was so cool because... When a light went off, I had to pull a rope that opened the oh. door. And so without me pulling that rope, people didn't have their interests. That is so true. There you go. That is so true. I mean, I don't know. The first time I experienced also having a, an instrument tech on tour, I was just like, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> it comes to me pre-tuned. He didn't even know how to work on violins, but it was like, he learned. <laughs> and, you know, everything is set up. If I told him that my water bottle needed to be a centimeter to the left, you better believe it would be okay. there the next time. Wow. He's incredible. Those guys take so much pride in their jobs. And yeah. they're out of this world. So good. It's insane. Would you would you ever consider I get well you said you would consider leaving it to come back to theater, but would you like go back into or take a chance and go into the leadership side of things, like doing more concert master stuff now? Because originally you said you didn't want to. <laughs> um, you know, I thought that I wanted to do my own music project and I did release a couple of songs, but to be honest with you, what I've learned about myself and kind of embraced is that I'm really good at helping somebody else boost their vision. And I love being a part of that because I came from theater. I love the collaborative pro- process. And I didn't really like me being alone in a room mm. recording music and then trying to put it together. I, I just didn't like that as much. I think people had a lot of expectation for me releasing a giant project after going into music full time. But yeah, I don't get as much joy out of that. I it's think not that's that I, so important to know about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing, but I, I don't think that that, I don't know. It took a while for me to wrap my brain around the fact that that is equal to being a solo artist, you know, because everybody has, you have to do what you love yeah. and you have to go with what you believe you can offer to the world. And I think that's, that's kind of where I like to sit. So 
yeah, I don't know. I'd love to do another tour. I'd love to do another tour. Anyone want to hire me? No, I just <laughs> is now manifesting another tour. Anyone need a string section? <laughs> Maybe a younger artist out there. Oh, hey. <laughs> I know you look like you're about 20. You should go work with Harry Styles. <laughs> it's the <True>. Botox. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Styles well, works Harry with Styles is definitely friends with a lot of the people in our crew, so who knows? You look around at the at, at you know the green rooms, the after parties. You're hanging out with the eagles, the literal eagles, and you get and their friends and their friends and the friends of the friends that you were just talking about. Right. <laughs> so you're like, oh, oh, hey, person that I've only ever dreamed I could meet one day. Like, do you want me to move over so I can sit next to you on this couch? You know, I think people are people. And just because you do something that a lot of people really love, you're still a person. I don't think that – well, that's a lie. I have been starstruck Who? by Stevie Nicks. Oh. Mm. Singing on stage with her was like <laughs> – I didn't even – I was like, how is this even happening right now? <laughs> I don't even know what my life is anymore because you're there. You're like – Two feet from me with your tambourine, and I'm going to die. So <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. People have this idea of <laughs> touring with the Eagles, and I think that that ended in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a dry tour. There's no, like, dressing room liquor or anything like that. Nobody's nobody's partying. It's very business. It's very professional. You know, especially this last tour with uh, – we had crazy COVID protocols. I mean, oh, my, I my heart goes out to anyone who's touring right now because it's really difficult to keep that – we probably travel with around 80 people or so, and only four people contracted the variant. That's impressive. Wow. Well, you better believe we spent a lot of time in our hotel rooms I'm alone. Sure. <laughs> because it was like, do not fuck this up. Yeah. Do not get COVID. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody wants to be the person that – Shuts down. Just act. Yeah, of <laughs> course. We all wanted to be back at work so bad, but there was this weird mourning period because it wasn't work that we remembered. You know, there was no. Mm. We would go out together and for dinner and go on explore. You know, explore nature, hikes, whatever. Not so much of that. Mm. But I cried <laughs> lots of tears the first time that. That orchestra lift went up and oh, was sitting in a I love that moment. Ugh, fifteen thousand people with their, you know, no more lighters. It's all phone lights now. Yeah. But right. yeah, that was really magical. I didn't realize how much I had missed that. Well, it's chosen crazy. family. It it mm -hmm. comes down to chosen family. We say no, that a and lot. Doing the thing that you love, or even recognizing what we've lost or missed. Because yeah. my story is not exactly the same as being on the orchestra lift on tour with the Eagles. In but front the of 15,000 people. I went, this is going to sound really lame now. The first time I went back to the movies. <laughs> no, no, that's, you need to hear this. Do not laugh at me. No, go, go the on. movie theater, whatever, I don't even, classic cinemas or whatever it was, has this whole new, like, Welcome back to your life. Like there's this whole Oh man, bit, those right? movie openings know how to get you teary-eyed. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm sobbing and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But it was more about I hadn't realized how much we've had to give up. And the movies, who fucking cares about oh, the yeah. movies, right? But it was everything else. Everything oh, else yeah. came rushing in. So that's that's my, you know, 15,000 oh, people full orchestra lift with the Eagles. <laughs> that's just moment. as meaningful, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think we all kind of picked up 
the broken pieces of ourselves and tried to move on. And I, for me, that was like, okay, I had that experience. That was awesome. It's probably never going to happen again. And so when it did, it, that was just overwhelming. So Same thing for the movies. You never knew I, that you were going to be in the movie theater <laughs> again. No, you guys can make fun of me, but it was more like, and I think my kids, like, what have we lost? Mm-hmm. What have we given up? Or, you know, and something so stupid as going back to the movies, I'm like, oh, we, we okay, all right, maybe we can do this again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Super stupid. No, no, so, not at all. You are such a creative person, and I can tell that you're a collaborative person. Like, what kinds of things do you do to exercise that, like, when you're on tour or maybe you don't have time to? Like, what other fun projects and things do you get really excited about? Um, well, I definitely take a guitar with me always. So that's, you know, a big pain in the butt to travel with, but it's so worth it. Uh, and also, my first cellist and I, Christine, uh, she runs an orchestra in New York called Little Cruda. It's an all-female-based orchestra. Hmm. Um, we do a lot of, like, pop music, rock music, whatever. We'll, you know, feature an artist every now and again. So she and I cook things up. We're doing, uh, we're doing a very country Christmas concert in December because <laughs> both of us – well, she's from, she's from the South as well. And, uh, you know, I love some Christmas tunes on Christmas. Just things like that, kind of planning what we're going to do when we get back because these tours are not like – a Broadway tour, you're gone and you're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are probably three to four months at a time at the most and two and a half week to three week chunks and then I'll come home for four days or something. So we try to fill all of those times with as much work as we can. Um, but yeah, it's been an adjustment. I, I can't say that I that music was this much a part of my creative process before, mm. but it's my form of income now. So I'm kind of like, well, I guess I'm guess it's working. Should maybe keep investing in it, you know. So you mentioned manifesting this job, which I love. And we talk a lot about that. Like manifestation isn't just a thing you think into being and then it exists. It's a it's a thing you declare and then you change your behavior and your action mm-hmm. for something to show up. How important is intuition for you? Oh, super important. I mean... Everybody, I don't know if everybody has these moments, but I have these little voices every once and again that's like, you should do this or don't go Mm. in there. And I've learned to listen to that because it always ends up being true. My dad, my mom always says that my dad gave me his weird seeing sense because he has dreams. And then I believe in all of this. I I know people listening will probably be like, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every, I mean... I'm a witch. Me you too. Know? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I just think it's true. I think you can really prayer, whatever you want to call it, prayer, meditation, intention. You know, yes, absolutely. If you, the times in my life where I've been the most successful, I've made and carved out time to sit and either say things out loud that I believe yes. and, and desire, or you know, just to myself. And I think that that works. I have no idea why, but I think it's real and um, it's very powerful. I manifested my fiance. <laughs> I love that. Do you want to tell us how? Uh, you know, I was in a, a weird spot in my love life and had just gone through so many 
I've been engaged before, a lot of other things along the way. And I was just like, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm in my 30s and I'm really tired of this. Could you please <laughs> just send me someone who's a sane person and a good person and likes to eat food and cook food and, <laughs> you know, hopefully has a great relationship with his family or whoever that, I mean, could have been anyone. But yeah, so we're going to get married in July. And, Congratulations. Uh, I probably just created him you know he didn't exist before that man <laughs> i'm sure you did because i'm a witch there's a you know there's a cauldron and a, yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it was that sandra bullock movie uh were they with nicole kidman oh yes yeah i know what you're talking about tip but of the I, tongue. Can't, not happening tip of the tongue in the top of the teeth happens to me all the time did you go to theater school Le red leather yellow leather <laughs> hilarious are you introverted or extrovert do you, do you consider yourself one or the other because I, can, I can't tell yeah. yet. Yeah. And usually I can tell by this point in a conversation, and I can't tell that about you yet. Um, I'm really good at being extroverted when I'm surrounded by people. <laughs> I choose not to be surrounded by people quite often. There you go. That's my girl. <laughs> Extroverted introvert. That's yeah. Me. Yeah. I'm totally fine. I mean, even growing up, like, I was one of five kids. I was totally fine to just be by myself. Where are you in the lineup? I am the youngest girl, and... I'm fourth, so I have a little brother and then two sisters and an older brother. Well, the reason I ask is is that for COVID, when COVID hit and the isolation came, introverts were like, celebrate. We don't have to go out right <laughs> now. Yeah. And then for us extroverts, m myself being the only one in this room. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, I don't miss you people at all. <laughs> I was like, I need theater. I need to go out. I need mm. to bu I need to bump into tourists in the crowds. And I, there's times when that's bold. <laughs> I just need. I need to like. Yeah. I'm I'm flailing my fist right now. I need contact. I okay. like my love language is physical contact. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. I uh, through COVID, I think the only thing that I really, really lost, quite literally, almost lost my mind over was. I missed my job so much. Mm -hmm. That's like the extrovert in me, you know, like my mom put me in acting classes whenever I was in middle school because I was painfully shy and didn't, you know, Smart. she just thought like maybe this will help and it did. It gave she me an outlet. She manifested it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was kind of horrified that she did when I went to school, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really missed my job, but it, it also forced me to divorce myself from the persona of that job and needing that for, I don't know, any, to feel like I've done something. And I learned how to just be Erica and be, and that was good enough. And I was happy with that, mm -hmm. but it took about a year. <laughs> um, I did miss my friends a lot, but you know, I, I was with my partner the whole time. So I feel like it was either like, really great he or... He needs to leave. Yeah, no. <laughs> we really... We spend a lot of time in separate rooms. I mean, you're not supposed to be around someone no, that no. much. No, you're not. <laughs> no one had alone moments. And you really need those, even from your, the person that you love the most. It's yes, just... You do. Yeah. So I think my, my connection was my job. And I missed that connection a lot. Were you working or doing anything creative during lockdown? I felt completely gutted. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think that I – I did one um, 
live stream concert and that was it because it made me so sad. It made me Aww. even more sad because you don't get I don't know. You need the audience. Yeah, if yeah, you've ever that. done one of those, it is just like the most horrifying experience. I've never been more nervous for anything in my life. I believe that. I was sitting in my little home studio with like the camera and everything. You know, you finish a song and then you have to wait <laughs> for the delay of like people typing and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess you liked it. It's just oh. terrible. Yeah. So I kind of went into, I mean, I, I definitely went into a deep depression and mm. sort of like a mental just downswing and I definitely did not create over that time but I also feel like that is totally okay it is and forced creation is never a good thing for me like a lot of people you know swear by setting a schedule and even Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like it I do believe in that but I think that you have to come at it even it would not have happened in that state of mind that I was in I was just like I'm too much of an empath so I had to just shut out everything. I stopped watching the news because it was just like there was so much pain in the world yeah. that it just felt that clogged everything that I had for creating. Do you think being an empath helps you do your job? Definitely. I don't think I'm that good at my job. I just think I'm good at knowing what people need. <laughs> I'm sure you are that good at your job, but I really think that's probably true. You, mm-hmm. you feel... The audience, you probably feel the orchestra. Like, what what can I do to connect this for these people? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, I think one of the only reasons why, you know, I still have this job is because you have to <laughs> you have to know which artist you're going to work with that day. They all live in the same body, but there's many different versions, mm-hmm. and you have to read the room. And you know, it could be anything. I think I think a lot of bigger artists are like that. You and they just have people that make them feel supported and comfortable. And if you're not good at reading the room, you're gone. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of being in any collaborative process, I think. You know, it's not about this. It's about – I just pointed to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, like, knowing what the other person needs and then, you know, I don't know, providing well, that for them. Well, that's, that, that's the, the – I'm having a hard time formulating this, so I'm <laughs> stuttering and stalling. A great band can pivot in in within a measure, and they everybody moves together in a different mm-hmm. direction because you just know that you that you're going, that you're changing, oh, yeah. that that somebody like people have played together forever, and I think jazz is one of the the best manifestations of this. Is that when you're literally freestyling and you're making it up? I mean, I love the band Fish just for this exact reason is that you just go out there and you play and it sounds like every single note is rehearsed, Mm -hmm. including, again, going back to the tech, the lights, the state, the front of house, like all of this, it's all, not all of it, but the majority of it's all freestyle. Spur of the moment, yeah. And when you are connected, when you are vulnerable enough in your empathy and sending and receiving that you are, you become operating as a single entity. And music, oh, yeah. music and art and instruments, it heals, it connects, it it speaks on a level that we still, I don't think, understand. I don't think so either. There's something that happens. I call it the uh, <laughs> the dark space or like the special place in your brain that you go to because it's a different. I don't know. I'm a person who I see letters and colors and all like synesthesia. I, I think that. that's yeah, I yeah. think it's some some form of that but so when I play music or even, you know, on stage and in a musical, I go to this place that's not I can't access that without music. Um 
I started teaching over the pandemic and this little six-year-old girl that I was teaching who has the most natural talent I've ever seen in a kid. And she would describe it as the the black starry place. <laughs> wow. I was That's like, whoa. so clear though <laughs> that she yeah. could like name that. Yeah. Wow. And it's amazing that she was already tapping into that, which is, you know, that's so cool. But yeah, I think that there is, it's spiritual. You know, I, I'm not a religious person, but my, I feel like my spirit journey is mostly in the form of that connection, whatever that place is, you know? Well, if you're connecting on the, if multiple people are connecting on that level and then you're speaking a language, you're communicating non-verbally in a way that you may not perceive consciously, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm going to that that scene in Soul. Have both of you seen oh, Soul, God, right? I wept like a baby right? in that whole where, movie. Right, where when you're in the zone, oh yeah, you go to this place mm-hmm. and you don't realize where you are. You're just you're you're creating and you're and you're in in this area that is beyond comprehension. And I think there's so much to being an empath, to being like when you walk into a room and you just click with somebody. Mm-hmm. There, that's whether it's pheromones. There's there's science behind all of it, sure. Yeah. But I think we don't understand it yet. We definitely don't. I mean, that is like the best drug you've ever taken in your life. Mm-hmm. But it's just for free, <laughs> right? No side effects. <laughs> but I love this idea of you visually seeing what you're creating. Do you always have it? And if you if you ever don't have it, can you tell the difference in the performance? Oh, big time. I think when I don't have it, I have stage fright instead, mm. which nobody That makes wants. so much sense. What oh, kind of man. relationship do you have with fear? Um, when I started that do- that job with Don, I I really had stage fright badly because it was the first time that I had stepped on stage without a character in front of that many people and uh as an actor, I don't think that I really ever got stage fright. I would just, you know, because you can funnel the energy through, through what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I went through, up until probably two years ago, I had crippling stage fright that would make me, when you play violin, you can't shake. You can't do that <laughs> because your hands seize up and then you stop being able to play. And I, I had some pretty big, big mess ups just because I couldn't wow. control, you know, it's fight or flight. It's just going off yeah. and you can't control it. But um, I thankfully got over that. I'm not really sure what that was. I think it was being forced into, you know, being comfortable just as myself on stage and also being comfortable myself on stage without the backing of a huge band or a huge act. And if I'm just playing as me or with, you know, Christine or whatever, it, it <laughs> terrified me. But I'm more comfortable with that now. Thank God. Was there anything specific you had to do to sort of manage that or to get back into that visual creative space? Did you create a persona? Um, antidepressants were great. Hello. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I think just I had to relearn how to funnel it mm. as myself, which was weird. Um, you know, I had to do a lot of like weird acting warm-up things that I used to do for a show. And all of a sudden, just as myself, I thought, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that before this show. But they really helped. Absolutely. Yeah. Breathe, even just breathing, mm-hmm. really focusing on your breath for like five minutes will just do wonders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. One of the most interesting things, um, I chatted with Anthony Venanziali from Freestyle of Supreme, and he 
he was talking about um, his work in fMRI machines to mm. have his brain scanned while he's freestyling versus while he is okay, that's cool. wow. while he is reading <laughs> that's and amazing. not freestyling. And the the oh god, I used to know this word and I could rattle it off, but it's it's been so long. It's there's a certain part of the brain that's activated when you're improvising, when you're freestyling, and they've scanned it. They can see this, yeah. and it's the part that inhibits uh, anxiety. Oh yeah. So when you are freestyling. When that's why like corporate retreats, improvisation, all the stuff helps people bond together. Interesting. Because you are chemically reducing your inhibition. Because that's the same thing. Yes. Oh man, yes. totally. I'm never ner- like if if I go on stage and someone's like, "Oh, we don't have any charts for you," I'm like, "Sick! I am so <laughs> ready for this." Yeah. I would. It's I almost will, better. Oh man, I will improv a show for the rest of my life and be a happy person. It's when you put charts in front of me that I'm like, "Oh no!" Because then there are things to get wrong. Oh yeah. Yeah. And in improv, I mean, you can make bold choices, but it's not technically wrong right. because you're just in the moment. And I never feel nervous doing that. But that also, I had to learn how to do that. Like, I grew up playing classical violin, and, you know, a lot of my classically trained friends do not improv. It's not because they don't have the ability to do it. It's because they can't bypass that space. It's been trained out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started learning, I don't know, started learning country solos whenever I was like 12 years old in my room and (laughs) just like picking them apart and then playing the music and kind of like just not caring if I messed it up and exploring that sort of space. Okay. So that's a really fascinating concept. And it's one that I've been leaning into. And as a coach that I help clients lean into is not caring, like just do the thing. Yeah. Stop worrying about whether or not it's perfect. And that's got to be hard to do in your In your industry, but you almost have to. Yeah. I mean, you have to accept the fact that you're going to fail so much. You're going to fail a lot. You got to be comfortable with that. I think coming from an acting background, (laughs) I was like, yeah, bring it on. I'm going to fail a lot. (laughs) Because you go to, what, 100 auditions and you book one. I mean, those are just, that's that's it. That's how it goes. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. But, you know, I think failure, but what you think of as a failure, someone else would never notice, which I think is true in a lot of different Absolutely. worlds. There's a, there's a, at a certain level, right? Your 70% is everybody else's 120%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was raised Catholic, so I, you know, was told that I was flawed from birth. <laughs> just to get good I, with that. Yeah, just like 20% self, self-hatred in there. So I think, no. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, being comfortable with just... I don't know what that is. You have to give yourself permission for it. It's a weird, and it's just a decision. That's hard. It's still hard. Even when you're fully aware of it, Yeah, it's still hard. I just had a client last week. Um, She was asking for permission to write without stopping, without editing, without reading. And she's like, oh, I, I, I can't make myself just write whatever, whenever, you know. And I said, you need permission? I was like, I can give you permission, but... You don't need my permission. So I was like, okay, well, here's your homework. Write yourself a permission slip mm-hmm. to be in it, to be messy, to follow the process, to not stop and edit and review for 15 minutes a day. And then I want I want you to sign it and I want you to put it up and then send me a picture. And she did. And it, there's something about, like, we, we have to give yeah. ourselves permission. And if that is something as stupid as writing yourself a permission slip, do the fucking thing. Yeah. Well, I also think it's interesting what you led with in that is her saying, I can't. And that was something I'm not teaching anymore, but with my kids, I would always say, there's no such thing as I can't. Yeah. You haven't tried yet. 
you don't know. Mm -hmm. You can, you just haven't tried. And um, I am very ill-advised probably because I kind of think that I can do anything that I practice. I believe you. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't know. I've taught myself a lot of instruments over the years and I think that's really useful because I think it's just about time spent, right? Like it's about you, there is no, I can't, there is only, I haven't tried yet. Yeah. Yep. So. Or know. maybe it's, I can't do it the exact same way Alan does it yeah. or Erica does it, but I can do it the way Heather does it. Yeah. And that's going to be enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's embracing what makes you unique and different. And that's, that's how you start booking jobs. And you give, mm -hmm. you go in with zero fucks. You make bold choices, embrace who you are as a unique individual, yeah. and then you start getting the work. Yeah. I mean, I am by no means ever the most talented person in the room. But what I do know about myself is I can make you think that I am. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's really what matters. I mean, <laughs> you know, I do not have vocals that are worthy of singing Dolly Parton's duet with Don Henley. But guess what? I will fill those shoes and I will make you watch me and I will be captivating. Boots. You will fill those boots because yeah. they were made for walking. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not, that's not Dolly, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, that's Wait, it. No. That's actually like a 1960s pop artist, I think. Shut no, it's, up. It's Sinatra's daughter. Yes. Nancy, yes, Sinatra Nancy Sinatra did. These boots right. are made for walking. Sorry, are sorry, you, man. Did you really not know that? Or no, are you I just did not know that. I did right not know now? that. I only know from from Dol yeah. Well, I thought, they I yeah swear they that was Dolly Parton. Kind of readopted it as a country tune. Right. Yeah, that's not really. Well, fuck really me. <laughs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> I was today years old, yeah. and I learned Dolly Parton did not write that song. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's well, all. There about. goes my pun. You know what? It was a good shot. <laughs> Don't throw Almost away your there. shot. Almost there. Don't throw away your shot. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Erica, what do you do to tap into your your deepest creative self? Is there a thing you do? Hmm. Um, what is my deepest creative self? I, I don't think I've found that yet. I don't think that's I I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that laughter is the key to many things. I think that sometimes taking yourself – I can't work at home. I'm really, really bad at that because there's just too many things to distract me, which is probably also why I didn't create anything really during COVID because I was just at home yeah. for a year and yeah, a half. Um, you know, I like to be in nature. I think we are all tied to a leash that is our phone that mm -hmm. is just horrible for our creative brains. Mm -hmm. I mean, I – 
think about maybe having kids one day and how I'll deal with that because I see It'll myself be different than whatever you think. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And by that time, who knows? Maybe we'll just have it implanted in our brains and we'll <laughs> never escape it. But it's. I just think that you know, social media being a part of my daily life is not great for my creative nature because it makes you focus on comparing yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. It just, or you see something that maybe you thought you had an original idea, see someone else doing it, and then you never create it because you're like, well, that's already been done. So I think going out into nature and just <laughs> leaving the dang phone on do not disturb and just having a couple of days is always something that I come back from that feeling really rejuvenated. I love that. I love the idea of just get out of the norm, step away, no comparison. I also want to just say unknowingly, you just gave me the best gift because one of the questions that I had to ask you was how important do you think laughter and joy are in the creative process? I think it's everything. I don't know. I Fuck yeah. Some people think that that makes you seem less professional. I remember my college pro acting professor some people know who this is, sat me down and told me that he thinks it's going to be a detriment to my career because during the creative process, I joke around a lot. No way. I, and I remember, and I sat there and I said to him, I said, I totally disagree with you. I think that is exactly why I'm going to get hired. <laughs> and I'll bet it is. I, it definitely is. I think, you know, you, anyone can be on stage performing with anyone else. Even if you hate each other, mm -hmm. you can still pull through. But having an open creative process, if you hate each other or if you're closed down or if everything's too that's not going to happen. I don't care if you're doing a show that has the most, like, depressing, serious nature. You have to – I just think laughter opens something up in people. It, like, you, you know, it kind of puts down all of this – it takes down all of the barricades that we put up against ourselves. And it's – I, I just, maybe it's because I laugh throughout my entire day, e even when I'm weeping inside. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes, it just makes the life living thing better. Yeah. Yeah. The life living thing. The life living thing. <laughs> this thing that we call light. Like, yeah. but we have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. We have a choice if we want to live it and seek joy or not. Why wouldn't you want to seek joy? Sometimes people amaze me. <laughs> Erica, thank you. Yes, thank of you course. So much it was for so this great. Chat. This oh has my been gosh. so much fun. It has been so much fun. Yeah. And it's in person. And so we in get to person. see each other and we get to You even we got me into a rehearsal audition studio for this. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> we get to take a real picture of the three of us and, yes. and wow. put it on the socials. Yes, put it on the socials. We got it. Well, I'll do it in front of the mirror so we can see the front and the back of your shirt at the same time. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to see you on stage. Are you Oh yeah. When how can we do that? Well, we're going back out in the spring. I think they just posted dates. Uh, beginning la the February 19th, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But go to the Eagles website and you we'll can put it in the show me. notes. If yeah. you're coming to Chicago, I want to see are. the show. We are. We're coming to Chicago. This was amazing. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful to Stevie for introducing us. Yes. I feel like we're kindred spirits. So yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I also want I want to be part of that friend group. Yeah. Well, we're witches <laughs> together. We're witches so. together. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to invite myself in. I'm be a warlock. <laughs> I love it. Double, Just double. bring crystals. Toy in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. I love it. How the fuck are we going to close this show? I don't know, but that was 
such a fun fucking conversation. It was so much fun. And I had no idea that she was also, you know, a witch. And I <laughs> really appreciate She's looking at me. She's like, I think I could be going overboard with the woo-woo. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. no. Keep going. I'm so into it. No, her whole her whole career now is all because of chance, because of embracing chance, embracing opportunity. And literally just like she talked just about her up. literal uh, a stage fright, overcoming fear to go on stage with the Eagles, with Don Henley mm -hmm. in front of tens of thousands of people to, 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 do, to do what she loves. I think my favorite, th I mean, I love the whole conversation. I think my favorite thing is is the visual manifestation of her creation, like that she sees in letters and numbers and music notes. And oh, yeah. I, I feel like it's a bit out of a movie, right? Where if somebody were filming this movie of Erica Swindell, you would see it on the screen, this image in her head. And I just love that image of creation. I enjoy uh, when we were talking about the... Uh, musicians connecting with each other because when you go to that place when her six-year-old student talking about the dark, dark place with stars the dark place with stars yeah this sparkly place in the dark that that all of a sudden is un unlocking everyone's creativity and going to a place that's how you express yourself that's how you can really tap into who you who you are and i i always wonder if all of us are capable of this, or if it's only certain people who gravitate towards it, who can, who pick this up and get there, or if like everybody was able to, to have an instrument and be as serious and as practiced at it, if we all sort of have this. And, and so is that everyone's spirituality? Could we all communicate on that plane? Oh, well, no, that's a question I cannot answer. But I do think there's something to this idea that there are other ways to communicate. I mean, obviously, we know that, right? There are people who are non-communicative who can communicate. They can't yeah. speak. They can't write. And they find ways to communicate. And this idea of seeking alternate ways. But they're connect. finding ways to communicate with people who only can receive in the five via the five senses already. But I'm talking about, like, twins. They're crossed the, thousands of miles apart. One of them gets hurt. The other one feels it. Like, there is... There are connections that we can't measure, that we don't understand. Well, I mean, that's true. I will say, so when we, we joked about Eric and I being a witch, um, but it maybe isn't a joke. Like, I'm deep into my intuition. My mom is. My mom sees ghosts. I feel energy, much like Eric. And I really wanted to, to talk with Erica more about her intuition. She's like, oh, I've learned to lean into that. And, and when I say yes and when I say no, and I, I really wanted to get into that. And, and the conversation didn't come back around, which was fine. But um, I feel my mom and my mom feels me. Like I know the other day, uh, I'm in the middle of working and all of a sudden I just felt overwhelmingly sad and I laid my head down and I started to cry and my partner's like, wait, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, but I feel terrible. And I found out the next day that right at that exact moment, my mom was being told that she just put her dog down. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, so you just felt it. That's I incredible. Yeah. Well, Check the show notes for everything Erica Swindell. She's got her Christmas show coming up. She's got the Eagles tour coming up. She's everything that we know about her social media will be in it's the show. It's going to be there. And she is amazing, y'all. So I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. We want to know uh, what are your chance encounters, experiences that are leading to magical things. So hit us up. Where was it chance on Instagram? Send us a DM or tag us because we want to hear your story. Maybe we'll have you on the show. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. 